Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We're going to jump straight in this morning, Mark 1, 19, Mark 1, 19. It reads like this. It says, and going on a little further, he, he being Jesus, saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately, say immediately, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat. This morning, I want to talk to you from this thought, the challenge of change, the challenge of change. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray this morning that as I speak that they don't hear my voice, but they hear yours. Father, I pray that this morning that we have a fresh revelation that you cannot have growth without change. That change is often uncomfortable. Change is often difficult. What you have for us is on the other side of change. So, Father, I pray that you come and do what only you can do. We love you. We honor you. And it's your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. There's something I've been reading recently is a book called Necessary Endings by a guy named Henry Cloud. And in the book, he has this quote. He says that entrances into new seasons must first be preceded by exits out of old ones. In other words, you cannot step into a new thing until you first step out of an old one. I remember when I first got saved, I was 25 years old and I found myself in this interesting season of life to where for the first time in my life, man, it it wasn't my parents' relationship with God. I wasn't just coming to church because I was in the Bible Belt and it's the thing you do on Sunday. Like for the first time in my life, I was actually waking up and pursuing a relationship with God. But at the same time, I was pursuing a relationship with a girl that I knew I should not be in. I was trying to pursue everything that God had for me while holding on to everything I had for myself. I was praying Monday morning and partying Monday night. I found myself just... In this weird season that I know now is called change. It's called change. You see, change is never easy. But I realized something as I begin to dig in God's word. We serve the God of change. If you read the gospels, it seems like every time Jesus showed up on the scene, change was right there with him. Jesus would walk into a funeral and raise the dead person back to life. That is called change. Could you imagine being at a funeral for your Uncle Tommy and Jesus walks in the back and he pops out of the coffin? That's change. Jesus would walk into a city and cause the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. Make no mistake, Jesus was a change agent. And this morning I wanna remind you that Christianity at its core is a call not to behavior modification, that's religion. Christianity at its core is a call to radical life change and transformation. That means the moment you say yes to Jesus, everything begins to change. The way I forgive people begins to change. The way I love my neighbor begins to change. The way I don't flash out on Facebook against people that have a different political belief than I do, that begins to change. Everything begins to change. Can I propose to you this thought? If Jesus wanted you to stay the way you were, maybe he would have left you that way. The moment you said yes to him, everything begins to change. I believe this is what we see in the story reading. The Bible tells us that Jesus is walking on the shore and as he's walking on the shore, he looks out on the water and he sees two fishermen in a boat 
mending their nets or fixing their nets. And the Bible says that he calls them and challenges them with the very, very, very difficult task to leave everything behind and follow him. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but if I'm these fishermen, I have so many questions. Who are you? Let's start there. Where are we going? Can I call back home to my wife and tell her we're going to Jerusalem for the weekend? Like, I need a little explanation here. Can I ask you some questions, Jesus? Like, I need to understand your call before I really decide to follow it. There's been a lot of moments in my life that look just like this, where God calls me. Come on, maybe it was at a church service morning and God gave you a dream or a picture of your future. He showed you a preview of your purpose. However, I look around at my situation and I look around at my circumstance and there was a massive disconnect between where I am standing and what God is speaking. And I've learned something. It's that you don't always have to understand God completely in order to obey his voice quickly. Because it's in the process of obedience that character is formed. It doesn't matter if you don't see it, what matters is that he said it. And if God said it and you're obedient to it, he'll be faithful to give you the relationships and the resources and the strength to make it happen. I remember when I was 25 years old, my wife and I, just got married, I just gave my life to Jesus and I had a God opportunity. Uh, I've only had a handful where I know this was like, man, this is like, whoa, God is knocking on my front door and this was one of them. Pastor from California, Pastor Obed is me preaching at camp. He took me to coffee, he said, Joseph, I really want you to pray about this, but I think you need to come to California and serve with me. Now, we can't pay you, but I want you and your wife just to really pray about coming out, getting jobs, serving at the church, we really need help with student ministry, worship, you know, kids. I think you guys could really, really help us and I think it'd be really good for you. I want you to pray about it. So we begin to pray about it with our family, our pastors, and we really got like a yes and amen, like, okay, God, this is you. So we left, we moved to California and we start this journey of working side jobs and living paycheck to paycheck. And I mean, putting in 40 to 50 hours a week at church and serving and being obedient and showing up. And about three months into this process, we were broke. Uh, broke is an understatement. We were like negative broke, had nothing. I remember it really came to a head. On a Friday night, we went to Albertsons to get some peanut butter and I swiped my card and it got declined. Now there's nothing worse than your card getting declined. Let's just, just start there. I go back to my car and my wife and I are sitting in the car and open up my checking account and we're like a negative $300 in our checking, $0 in our savings and I just got frustrated. I start venting, I just start complaining. I can't believe pastor's not paying us. I'm here working 50 hours a week. I'm preaching to the high school, to the young adults, to the kids. I'm doing worship, I'm doing production. This is ridiculous. I call my dad, I start complaining. Pastor Obed called me to do this and I'm here serving him and I can't believe and he's not paying me and I just won't and I just, and I'm venting. About five minutes into me complaining, my dad says, Joseph, Joseph, shut up. I said, yes, sir. So let me ask you a question. Did Pastor Obed call you there or did God call you there? I said, God called me. I said, okay, I want you to hear something. I don't want you to ever forget it. Don't ever forget that you were there serving God and helping Pastor Obed. You are not serving Pastor Obed and helping God. The moment you start serving man is the moment that man becomes the source of your provision. The moment you start serving man is the, is the moment that man becomes the source of your peace. 
I want you to hang up the phone. I want you to repent to your wife for your lack of faith. And I want you to declare Philippians 419 over your marriage. Click. And if you know my dad, you know that phone call happened just like that. I get off the phone. Baby, I'm sorry. You know, this is where we're supposed to be. I'm just, you know, we just got to trust God. Like, I'm sorry. Philippians 419. Okay. And my God will supply every need. Not some needs, not the needs that we feel are significant to God. No, God will supply every single need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The next day we woke up, grabbed her hand, we began to pray. It was obedient to what I was told to do. God will supply every need. No, we're standing in faith. I know we don't get paid for another eight days. We got like a quarter of a tank. But my God will supply every need. Day two, wake up. God, I need you to supply every need. God, we need you. Day three, I get a phone call. I'm at the church, and uh, I'm putting lights in the auditorium, and I get a call from a woman that attends here, Lafayette 337. I said, hello. She said, hey, Joseph, I, uh, I, I have a question for you, and I, God, I hate to even ask this, but I have a son that lives about an hour and a half away from you, and he's really falling on hard times, and he needs help. You're the closest person to him. Would would you mind like going, picking him up and helping him and like maybe him living with you and your wife and I'll cover all your bills? I said, send me the address. (laughs) So I said, send me the address. I hung up that phone. I went into the other room. I mean, I tackled my wife. We were praising God. We were thanking God. It was like an answered Miracle, okay? Why do I tell you that story? Because when God calls you, it doesn't matter what obstacles are in the way. If you're serving God, he is the source of the provision. He will provide every step of the way. It's one thing to come to church and sit in the pew and know what God can do. It's another thing to get out of the boat and actually trust that God will do something. And we need a church that's gonna not just be sitting, knowing what God can do, but be faithful enough and faith-filled enough to actually pursue what God is calling you to do. He's calling you out of the boat and it's time to get out. There's a scripture that many of you know, you might not know that you know this scripture. It's Romans 8.28. It says, and we know that God works all things together for the, you see, you knew it. And I believe that scripture wholeheartedly. That's, that's on my mirror at home. I believe that God uses my stupidity. I believe that he uses my mountaintop moments, my valley moments, my horrible decisions and my great decisions. I believe he uses it all for the good. But there's a second part of the scripture that if you don't get the second part, I don't think you get the first. Can we put this scripture up? What does it say? It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that what? What is love? Sacrifice. It's sacrifice. So let me rephrase this for you. If you sacrifice your life on the altar for God, if you choose his will over your will, if you drop your career and pursue your calling, then you tap into the sovereignty of God. Then you tap into the him working all things together for the good. The moment that I said yes to get out of the boat, leave everything that was comfortable, familiar, and move to California, then I tapped into the resource of the person who thought about me to pick up the phone and call to meet the need that I had. That is God working all things together for our good. Right. 
This morning, I wanna give you two challenges and change. These are two difficulties that you're gonna face whenever you have boldness like these fishermen to leave everything behind and get out of the boat. The first one is, you gotta let go. Come on, say it with me, say let go. You see, Jesus called out to him and he said, leave your father, put down your nets, get out of the boat. Okay, what was Jesus telling these fishermen? Why did he tell them to let go of something instead of just come? What Jesus was telling these fishermen was, until you let go of what is in your hands, I can never give you what is in mine. This morning, I have a question for you. What is it that you need to let go of? I wrote down a couple of things that I know were struggles for me. The first is unforgiveness. Look at Ephesians 4.32. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ. What? God forgave you. Wow. Every time I have difficulty forgiving others, it's always a reminder that I've forgotten how much God has forgiven me. Do you know why I'm a forgiving person? It's because I've needed a lot of forgiveness. Can I tell you, before I really gave my life to Jesus, the problem that I had with Christianity, it was the fact that people were judgmental. It was the fact that people sat on a high horse and had a perspective. And the truth is, that's not all of Christianity. And the truth is, that's not all the church. But the people that have a hard time giving forgiveness, it's like, I gotta earn it from you. It's almost like I wish you could go back and just place you in the moment to where you desperately needed forgiveness and God answered. Every single morning, I pray something. Every single morning, I pray that God never removes the taste of my tongue of how broken I was before him. And I kid you not, every morning I wake up and I remember how jacked up I was. I remember being high. I remember being drunk. I remember sleeping around. I remember trying everything I could to find fulfillment and never feeling it. And then I remember in 2015 when I gave my life to Jesus and I received this overwhelming grace that said, I see your ugliness and I love you. I see the brokenness and I still choose you. That is what causes me to give so much forgiveness. If you have a hard time forgiving, can I encourage you? Remember what you've been forgiven of. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis that I love. It says, getting over a painful experience is much like crossing monkey bars. You have to let go at some point in order to move forward. I think there's some of you that have been stuck and you've held on to unforgiveness for so long that now you don't even have the hold of it. It has a hold of you. You ever met a bitter person? You know where bitterness starts? Unforgiveness. You got hurt. And because you didn't guard your heart, the Bible says above all else guard your heart, because you didn't guard your heart, that planted a seed and it manifested and it manifested and instead of giving it to God, you held on to it and then now it's taken roots and now you're a bitter person. Can I encourage you? I don't know who it is that you need to forgive. I don't know if it's your parents. I don't know if it's your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse. But if you do not hold on to unforgiveness, it will literally keep you stuck. I do counseling all the time with people and they're 40 years old, but emotionally they're a 17-year-old wounded little boy because they're stuck at the place of their greatest pain because they held on to unforgiveness so long that it literally has stunted their growth. Who do you need to forgive today? Pastor, you don't know what they did to you. I don't really care what they did to you. The Bible is very intentional. Very, very, very intentional. You don't think Jesus had some bad things done to him? This is a person that loved recklessly. This was a person that was not like gave his life, murdered, crucified. 
If anyone can speak on forgiveness, I think it's him. Maybe it's unforgiveness. The second thing, maybe it's control. Come on, do I have any control issue people in the house? Oof. Um, you know, my wife is not controlling unless it comes to food. You know, every night we have the same conversation. Dave, what do you want? Anything? Okay, then let's do Mexican. I don't want Mexican. Let's do sushi. I don't want sushi. Okay, let's do American. I don't want American. Okay, what do you want? Number three from Chipotle. Okay, well, that's Mexican and that's controlling. <laughs> it's control. Can I tell you something about control that I've realized? Control is an illusion. I can drive as carefully as I can. I cannot control the person driving next to me. I can place the best bid on the home of my dreams that I can. I cannot control that bid being accepted. When we try to control, what we are doing is attempting to manipulate outcomes. There's only one person that knows the outcomes. His name is God. So what ends up happening is we end up bearing God-sized weight. That's weight that we were never meant to carry. Do you know why we have a generation that's crippled by anxiety? Because we have a generation that's carrying weight that you were never intended to carry. So you can't sleep at night because you're playing the end of an outcome that you're making up. And it's like, pause, 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 pause. Since when did you become the outcome person? That was always me. So I love Psalms 55, 22. It says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Gosh, that's encouraging. Gosh, that's encouraging. If you and I put a scripture on your steering wheel to remind yourself every morning that I wasn't created to carry the outcome. I wasn't created to carry control. My job is to be faithful and obedient to what God's called me to do. And when I do that, I know I'm in line with his will and he will take care of the rest. Every time that I feel overwhelmed or get incredibly anxious, it's always a sign that I'm carrying something God's called me to cast. Can I ask you, what are you carrying this morning that God's called you to cast? I'm a youth pastor, so I'll meet with parents often. And now I'm a parent. I know he's only one and a half, but I am a parent. And uh, I see so often parents ride the emotional roller coaster of their children. If their children are doing great, they're doing great. If their children are doing bad, you're doing bad. Let me tell you this. Our responsibility as parents is to plant them in the house of the Lord, to raise them in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. You plant that seed and let God take care of the rest. Let me just pause right here. I'm a pastor's son. I grew up in these pews. It took me until I was 25 years old 25 years old, mama, daddy, they're gonna be okay. You place them in the house and you pray over them and you be steadfast and consistent. Allow God to be God. I am standing on the prayers and the faithfulness of my mom and dad. And it took me until I was 25 years old, but when I got it, it was like something was removed here and everything that was placed inside of me began to flow and I've never looked back once. For some of us, it might be unhealthy relationships. The Bible calls this being unequally yoked. It's actually a farming term, and farmers would put a yoke on two strong ox, and they would go in straight lines. 
And basically what the Bible is saying is you would not put a strong ox with a weak ox because you would start going zigzags or even worse, you would start going in circles. And some of you have been going in circles in your life and it's not because God doesn't have a plan for you and it's not because you don't love him and he doesn't love you. It's because you are hanging out with the wrong people. Let me tell you this, and this is so hard to hear, but it's so true. How far you're willing to go is based on what and who you're willing to leave behind. Sometimes the greatest thing you can do for a lifelong friend, and y'all, I moved to California for four years. When I left, I was smoking weed, partying, and sleeping around. When I came back, I was praying and prophesying. You don't think I had some awkward conversations with my lifelong friends that I grew up with? I know what it's like to see old friends. I know what it's like to get invited to go out. I know what it's like. Hey, it's one in the morning. We're meeting at Legends. I'm not going to Legends anymore. There has to come a moment to where you value God's plan and purpose on your life. There has to be a moment where the only thing that matters is your heavenly father. That has to happen, that has to change. For some of us it's insecurity, for some of us it's a substance, for some of us it's unhealthy relationships. Whatever it is, letting go might sound simple, but it's usually never easy. Because as I'm reading the story, I don't know how you read your Bible, but when I read my Bible, I love to put myself in the feet of the people that Jesus is reaching. When I place myself in the feet of these disciples, I can't help but see that there's this moment, right? Where they're in this boat and they're holding on to these nets and Jesus, the savior, the son of God is calling them, giving them such a greater future, such a greater opportunity, but they're stuck over the overwhelming shadow of familiarity and like Jesus, I know the life of a fisherman might not be much, but it's all I've ever known. And oftentimes I think this is how our relationship with God is. We're holding on, and God is saying, if you would just let go, I could do so much with you. And I want to tell you something this morning that's so profound, but it's so simple. God can only use what you're willing to give. If you want to be used little, then give little. But if you want God to use your life in ways that you and I could never even dream of, don't give little, give everything. You got to let go. Come on, say it with me. Say, let go. First thing you got to do is you got to let go. The second thing we're called to do is lean in. See, letting go is only half the battle because once you let go of what is in your hands, then you're called to lean into what is in God's. One of my favorite scripture verses, lifelong scripture verses, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. And I grew up in church and I didn't realize this till later on, but I bought into this kind of jacked up theology where I believe that because God had a plan for my life, I could smoke what I want, drink what I want, sleep with who I want, live how I want. And one day I would just stumble into this plan. So I'm be very intentional this morning to pause. And I want you to hear me. God has a plan for your life, but his plan is his preference for your life. It's his preferred outcome. It's what he wants to happen. Read the Bible. It's full of stories of God parting Red Seas to make it happen. The Bible is a story of God going above and beyond and above and beyond doing his part, giving opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. But at some point, it takes our participation. 
At some point, your relationship with God has to be more than just letting go. At some point, you gotta lean in. My life changed when I moved to California and I started serving at the church. I started praying every morning. I started reading my Bible. I started doing something that I hadn't done before. I didn't realize this, but my relationship with God was always just letting go. I come to church, I'd feel guilty and I'd repent for what I'm looking at. I come to church and I'd feel guilty, so I'd break up with my girlfriend. I come to church and I'd feel guilty, so I'd repent. Can I tell you, real spiritual maturity isn't just giving God your emptiness. Real spiritual maturity is when you give God your everything. God is after so much more than just what's in your hands. He wants your heart. So how do I lean in, Pastor? There's some very practical things I wanna give you. These sound elementary, but you don't graduate from doing these things. Every morning I do these things, not because I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to, but because I have a personal relationship with God and I am alive when I'm with him. The first thing is prayer, prayer. Pastor, I don't know how to pray. You're a pastor, like, what do I say? Can I tell you, prayer is less about content and more about connection. Some of my favorite moments in the world is when my son just comes and hops up next to me and just leans on me because I'm with him and he's with me. Can I encourage you just to wake up and just start talking to your heavenly father? I think you'd be amazed at how much he has to say to you if you would just start talking to him. When's the last time that it was honestly just you and you just said, God, I'm here. I love you. I want to live for you. It's prayer. What's the next thing you can do? Reading God's words, the next thing you can do. Can I tell you that God's word, the Bible says it's your sword. So whenever you become a Christian, you've entered spiritual warfare. And if you are not waking up every single morning and sharpening that sword, it's like joining the military being dropped off in battle with no weapon. I love you, that's stupid. Get in your word, sharpen that sword. Find out God's plan and purpose for your life. Start equipping yourself. Start building a foundation that you and your wife and your family can stand on. Heaven and earth will fade away, but the only thing that will not is God's word. Build your life on that word. Don't move on it. My kids are going crazy. Don't move on it. My marriage is going crazy. Don't move on it. The market's going up and down. Don't move off of it. Every day, start your day in prayer and get in that word. And let me tell you the third thing that I did. I got involved in the local church. I started building God's house. By the way, church is not man's idea. This isn't an organization. This is God's design. This is God's idea. There's this quote I always heard growing up and it resonates with me so much as of late. It says, Jesus saved my soul, but the church saved my life. That's so true. You know, we have something called next steps where you can actually go from going to the LSU game, sitting in the stands to actually putting on pads and getting in the game. It's next steps. You actually join the church. You actually get to serve. You actually get to attribute to the body of Christ. Can I challenge you that in order for God's plan to become real for your life, it requires your participation. It's time to participate. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, If you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I, I hear you talking about letting go. If I can be honest, my God, I've been holding on. 
I've been holding on to unforgiveness and I can't do it any longer. You're right, I've become bitter. My heart's become hard. I, I can't hold on to this anymore. Pastor, when you were talking about control, like that's me, like I lie in bed at night thinking about the end of the outcome and how I can stop it. I, I can't do this anymore. I can't have sleepless nights anymore. I can't keep holding on to unforgiveness. I can't stay in this unhealthy relationship. I have to let go. I've been holding on to too many things and I can't do it any longer. If that's you, every head bowed, every eyes closed, I'm just gonna ask, I'm gonna count of three, you would raise your hand so I can pray with you. One, this is your moment. Two, this is for you. Three, if that's you all across this place, if you would just raise your hand, if God's just saying, you need to let go of this thing, you need to trust me, you need to open your hands. If that's you, I see 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 you. Hands all over this place. You can put your hands down. I wanna ask this question one more time because I know there are people in here that have literally been holding on to something so long that it's now become who you are. It's your identity. You're not experiencing hurt, you are hurt. You're not experiencing a season of wounded, you are wounded. One more time, if that's you on the count of three, if you just raise your hand, one, two, three, please. I see you, I see you, I see you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for being bold. Thank you for being honest. Can you put your hands down, please? I'd like to pray with you. Father, I thank you for the boldness of these people that have enough faith and trust in you to say that I'm letting go of what's in my hands so I can receive what's in his. Father, I thank you that you're doing heart surgery right now. Years of pent up unforgiveness, years of bitterness being broken in a moment. Father, I thank you that your word in Psalm 55, 22 really is true, that when we're doing what we're doing right now, when we cast our burden on you, you give us strength that sustains us, peace in exchange for anxiousness, joy in exchange for hopelessness. Father, I thank you for what you're doing right now. I thank you, Father. And the second group of people, those that are saying, Pastor, I hear you talking about a relationship with God, but if I can be honest, I've never really had one. I've come to church because it's kind of the thing we do. We come to church. But I can't keep doing the life the way I've been doing it. If having a relationship with Jesus is what you're talking about, I'm ready. I'm ready to have a passionate relationship with Jesus. If that's you, Make no mistake, this is the most important decision you will ever make. This is you finally choosing someone who's been always choosing you. On the count of three, every head bowed, every eyes closed, our goals here is never to embarrass you. One, this is your moment. Two, it's now three. If that's you and you have a relationship with Jesus, you can raise your hand. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Hands raised all over. Yeah, I see you. You can put your hands down. Church family, can we pray this prayer together with those that just made that decision? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.